The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the fall edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm here with Spencer G, and we're rumbling into the NFL season. But so many things breaking in college football, we've got to preempt our first segment to talk about what's going on in college football. Spencer, take it away. How you doing, guys and gals? Thank you for listening to Bruce the Sports Talk on VoiceAmerica.com. Very happy to be broadcasting on the air. What a miraculously incredible news day that we have here in collegiate football. It started at about noon, and it still hasn't ended. Three just unbelievably groundbreaking stories that we have to present to you guys today. The first one came out from the West Coast at about noon Eastern time, and that's Steve Sarkeesian taking a leave of absence from USC. And then four hours later, the University of Southern California and Athletic Director Pat Hayden fired Steve Sarkeesian from his roles as a football coach at USC. This doesn't come as a great surprise to me. Obviously, there's a lot of emphasis on ethics in college football. And here's a guy who multiple times showed up visibly intoxicated, drunk. And according to close friends of his, he's having a difficult time with a divorce and, and alcoholism. He's also not admitted to the fact he's an alcoholic. And most recently, it, it's been leaked out that he's been drunk at meetings. And really, if you want to think of a blueprint of a way to get fired quickly, you know, the head coach should be a moral barometer for a team. And you think about players always being tempted by drinking, drugs, and other such things. When the coach himself shows up drunk on multiple occasions and apologized and acknowledged mistakes, at this point, certainly a proud program like USC, basically within 24 hours, they put him on a temporary leave. I'm sure they had an emergency board meeting. And I'm sure the board of directors, as well as the boosters and everybody, in order to, you know, in, in order to right the ship, they really had to cut them loose. The, the interesting thing from my standpoint is, is there's tremendous empathy for him throughout. Even looking at Twitter, normally when a situation happens, you probably get at least half the people, you know, criticizing him, saying he's a drunk or just 
being very disrespectful. Apparently, Sarkeesy was a very likable guy. So there's a lot of people like Pete Carroll and people close to the USC uh, organization that all believe that, he, that his life is more important, that he needs to get his life in order. They want to save his life. And when somebody has alcohol dependency, they really, it's, it's a very dangerous problem. Well, it's a very sad situation because Steve Sarkeesian, I mean, this is a very serious issue, this alcoholism, and he's obviously had some trouble with the divorce, uh, but it's all speculation. I don't, we don't know Steve Sarkeesian personally. We can only go by what is said by the media and what is reported. And even at Washington, players record Steve Sarkeesian showing up to games and practices and, and seeming to be drunk and, and showing up to pep rallies and standing on tables. And it just seemed that he just got out of hand with the alcohol. And it seems like it's it's coming up way too often uh, that, than it should. I mean... Just you could go out a couple of nights and 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 drink responsibly, and and Steve Sarkeesian was was obviously bringing alcohol and drinking alcohol at, at inopportune times, and I believe that the reason the media hasn't been scrutinizing Sarkeesian is first off he hasn't been there long enough. So if USC was absolutely livid, like if they just came off to eight and four seasons and losing to their rivals Oregon, USC, and UCLA, that if he was on the hot seat, then USC fans would be relieved that he uh, that he was fired. But Sarkeesian hasn't been there a while. He's coming in, and basically he was kind of the savior for USC after Lane Kiffin was dismissed of his duties at USC. So I think that not being there long enough is what's creating, is, is giving him a pass. But I also think this, the situation is as serious as an alcohol issue. I think people are moral enough to understand that this is really a serious, serious issue and and one that could really jeopardize the health and well-being of an individual. So when you look at Lane Kiffin and his antics, he's probably one of the more disliked coaches in college football. I, 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 could, I differ the two because Lane Kiffin is younger. His dad, a lot of people think his dad got him all the opportunities with football. He ditched programs. He's a guy that hasn't been successful. He's a, he's a young, good-looking guy with a very attractive wife. Those are just some of the reasons why Lane Kiffin might be, why people might be envious or might dislike Lane Kiffin because they always think he gets second chances for those regards. But you look at Steve Sarkeesian, very serious situation. And we hope for the best for Steve. Along with that... Let's try to predict the future. Let's let's believe that Sarkeesian will get help. He's probably going to need some emotional support, whether it's psychology, psychiatry, whatever, medicines, maybe even going away to rehab. So really, he's got two problems. He's got a problem, you know, with the divorce and emotionally. And also, apparently, he's been overusing alcohol. He's been, you know, using it to escape his difficulties, but it, he's still a young enough guy that Spetcher, if we had to predict, I, I have an idea of how I think it's going to go for him. Let's say the best case scenario is he spends the rest of the year or even two years getting his life in order, just getting his feet on the ground, 
you know, going to rehab, I think a guy like this has got to stop drinking alcohol. There's no way he's going to be able to drink. When you're an alcoholic and it becomes a social problem, that's the definition of alcoholism. When you're drinking, basically gets in the way of your life. Your social life gets in the way of your job. And in this case, it's crippled. He's used poor judgment. And the idea of drinking has impaired his life. If we imagine it takes a year or two for him to get back on track, what do you think the next step professionally will be? A couple ideas for Sarkeesian is I truthfully believe that this guy, he spent his whole life playing professional football in Canada and coaching football. So I think that's truly what he loves. It's his passion is it revolves around football. But I absolutely do not think that Sarkeesian should immediately refrust himself as a head coach in collegiate football. Like, I don't think he should get another Pac-10 job, be under that type of extreme scrutiny and pressure. I I could see him being a head coach at a high school, like maybe at his own high school, or possibly even something better is either a recruiting coordinator or an assistant head coach. So you get to be around football. You have controlled hours. You're with, you're near your family. You're at a base. You're starting fresh. So being a coordinator is you get to watch football and you don't have to deal with the media. You don't have to deal with losing. Losing doesn't exactly Fall, the blame's not all on you if you lose it, if you're an assistant coach. So I could see him being an assistant coach or coaching high school football. Another another thing that some people might bring up is an announcer, but that, that requires a lot of pressure. That could still be depressing to Steve that was a head that was a coach. I truly believe he loves coaching. What are some ideas that you possibly have? I agree with you. I, I don't think he's gonna go back to high school. Once you go to high school it's a really long road back to get to high-level collegiate programs. I believe his ultimate as, you know, aspiration will be to get back to head coaching if and when he's stable. Obviously, wherever he goes, they're going to be they're going to insist on sobriety. They're going to insist on testing you for alcohol, and he's going to be on a short leash. I agree. He should be either a quarterback's coach or an offensive coordinator for a low-level place. You know, there was a coach that went to Youngstown State. Who is that, Spencer? Polini. Bo Polini. Bo Polini, again. Bo Polini, you know, was was a very mercurial coach for Nebraska. Extremely controversial. A lot of fun, but yet just totally not what what an athletic director at any large school would want. And I think he, he retracted back to Youngstown State his roots where he he was a player there because he could get his feet on the ground. And for him to reemerge, that is Polini, and I'm using an analogy with Sarkeesian, he's got to certainly you know, soften the edges there, not be as crazy. And to be in any big school, you have to be politically correct. It is a corporate environment. And we were talking about that in other contexts earlier. When you're in a corporate environment, you have to do the right thing. And there's only a limit as to how crazy you could be or how you could deviate from behavioral standards. This certainly, um, this segment with Sarkeesian was very fascinating, you know, from a college standpoint, also from an emotional standpoint, and also for speculation about his future. So this first segment just flew by. We're going to be in the next segment tackling two more incredible developments all in one day.
Stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now... Back to the show. Welcome to the second segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're here at VoiceAmerica.com. We want to thank Ray Ellis. We want to thank Jeff Spinard, the president of the network. And we're in a new calendar year for us, and we always can't take anything for granted. We're really glad that we have loyal listeners. We're really glad that we've re-upped for the next year. And speaking for Spencer G and myself, we're thrilled to be right in the meat of NFL football. And, however, we have to preempt that to talk about another thing. And this is along the spectrum of Steve Sarkeesian, which has to deal with essentially deviating from norms. Today, another stunning announcement. The number eight college team is the University of Florida. They're having a great year. Their star quarterback is Will Greer. However, his season is over. 
Will Greer has been suspended for the rest of the season for using performance-enhancing drugs. Now, we don't know what these drugs are, but the SEC and Florida and the NCAA pretty much said to Florida that Will Greer is suspended for the rest of the year. Florida's chances of winning a national championship, I think, are completely gashed now that, that Will Greer is out. He won the starting quarterback job as a redshirt freshman over last year's Treon Harris. Now, Harris, who's going to be starting the rest of the year, he was actually suspended a couple of games earlier for, for team's misconduct. He's going to be thrown into the fire at Death Valley at LSU this weekend. And actually, the line moved from Florida being a a 6.5 dog at LSU to now 7.5. But looking at Treon Harris, he's only a quarterback that really is a one-read-and-run guy, where Will Greer was a quarterback at Florida that led them to emotional victories at Kentucky, which is a much-improved program under Mark Stoops. They came back from 13 down, converting four fourth down conversions versus Tennessee to win in the swamp, an emotional win over the Tennessee Volunteers. And then Greer just had his best game playing against the Ole Miss Rebels. He threw four touchdowns as they obliterated Ole Miss, the hottest team in the country coming into the swamp as well. So Will Greer had, su- you know, he really had such a bright future ahead of him, not only for the following years, But this year, Florida was a national championship contender. In looking at this, very, very difficult to watch the press conference. Will Greer admitted that he took some over-the-counter supplements, didn't check with the medical staff. And if we're to believe this as being true, it could be anything, including something that had a stimulant in it, such as a cough medicine that had phenylephrine in it or ephedrine. That is considered a stimulant performance-enhancing drug, and we don't know if he was taking some other supplements. For instance, there's some over-the-counter testosterone boosters that are technically not drugs. They're they're considered vitamins. Some of them are even available in GNC, and it's possible that he had a urine screen and his free testosterone levels were up based on some secondary effect of some nutrient or nutritional supplement. There's no there's no evidence, no report that he was actually doing a steroid, uh, you know, performance in ham like an androgen or any male testosterone derivative, aka Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez. We're not talking about that at all. However, we can't be really sure. The NCA has strict confidentiality, and it's unclear whether we'll ever know exactly what Will Greer took. One thing we could be sure is his team, that is Will's advisors and the University of Florida, are not challenging this as being incorrect. Like we saw so often with PEDs, we saw denial on the part of Lance Armstrong. We saw that Barry Bonds, A-Rod, so he came right out and admitted it, and he's going to take his, his punishment, and it'll be out the remainder of the season. Actually, a report just came out that I think Florida is going to appeal it, but I'm not sure how much success they're going to have with it. I think that this falls on 75%. I think that as a 20-year-old athlete, I think Will Greer has been around football, has, has watched college football enough to know that if you're the starting quarterback at a university, 
You need to watch everything you put in that body. It's not like you're going to Florida and literally you don't have a nutritionalist. It's not like people are not watching you around the clock. Will Greer needed to communicate with with Florida's nutritional staff, with with the advisors, what he is taking on a day-to-day basis. If he has a cough, Florida needs to know. You should yield all your authorities when you're playing collegiate football in the SEC or any conference division one to be to be telling these people what you are taking. So it's just a disconnect. I'd say that 75% of it is on Will Greer. Now, if these people were telling him to take that, if the Florida advisor was telling him to take that and didn't know, I don't know why they would be hired in the first place at Florida. So when you look at Will Greer, he's about six foot two. He's about 215 pounds, and I remember him playing Kentucky, and in high school, he was mostly a pocket passer with decent mobility, but there was one game early in the season when he had real inability reading defenses, and he was trucking defenders and running for first downs, so it's clear that Will Greer is a great athlete. And possibly, I'm not saying that it's true, but when he was really struggling earlier in the season as a, as a freshman, pretty much, in the SEC, he was using his legs to get a lot of first downs. So possibly the drugs he was taking, the vitamins, might have made him a lot stronger, and that's something I'd love to ask you about. And another interesting development that came out today was a Florida poster on a message board claimed that Will Greer was on steroids before Saturday's game. Somebody internally or on a message board. Now, it could have just been a fan making a joke, but still, that's a red flag that is very interesting. I think that's very speculative. So, in fairness to him, there's no, you know, it might have leaked out that he tested positive for PED and whispered, and whispered down the lane, if that if that came out somehow in the student body or somebody who's close to him, he may have confided in, in, in another student there. And when you hear PDs, you think steroids. So I don't I don't put any weight on that, but it would be interesting to know how that individual found that out. And I don't believe it. I think it's unlikely that that just came out of nowhere. I think there was some basis for that. And Will Greer might have been in despair. He might have known that he got caught doing it. And there's sometimes a little bit of a delay before they announce that type of thing. The third, the third item we want to announce is uh, the is the great is the old ball coach himself, Steve Spurrier, who certainly was a great quarterback in college, played some quarterback in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers, and then certainly was a college coach who was known for innovating the offense in college football. And unfortunately, the last few years in South Carolina, he has not met much success. Basically, roughly a 500 coach, some years losing more, some less, but never achieving what one would believe would be the top of the mountain, never winning a national championship. And there was speculation that at age 70, he was going to retire. But much like John Boehner, when you when he retired, he went out with a bang. And Steve Spurrier said, this is it. He's announcing his retirement immediately, and they have to scramble to find an interim coach. 
I believe Steve Spurrier as a player. He won the Heisman Trophy of Florida. He won. He might have won a national championship there in 1970. I, I'm pretty sure he won national titles at Florida when he was coaching there in the early 2000s. But at South Carolina at USC, he never won a national title. But USC football in Columbia was kind of a doldrum of the SEC. It kind of was the bottom of the pack, a cellar dweller. And Steve Spurrier completely reinvented that program. He revived that program. And he made he, he made them a force in the SECs. They won a couple of SECs titles. They recruited Marcus Lattimore, one of the most talented players ever in South Carolina history. They had Connor Shaw, a very talented kid from Alpharetta, Georgia, now playing with the Cleveland Browns. That's what I remember when watching South Carolina football growing up, is they've just been a force uh, in, in the SEC. And at Florida, Spurrier was incredible as well. The head ball coach wearing the visor. Just such a passionate coach. A guy that always speaks his mind. Kind of a love-hate sort of relationship with, with, with Spurrier. But always just a real competitor. Would get on the refs really hard on his players. And it's incredible what Spurrier did with South Carolina. But he's just been a success everywhere he's gone. South South Carolina, but playing football, winning a Heisman, and then winning national championships too in Gainesville. He's he's a historic figure in the history of college football. This segment is, has come and gone, and we've really hit college football pretty hard. What I'm really interested in talking about in the next segment is. A big clash, Monday Night Football. That's all you can hope for. They're going to be playing for first place in the NFC East. Right here in Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial Field. New York football giants, Philadelphia Eagles. We also want to dissect the other parts of the NFC East. And that's coming up in our third segment. We appreciate all the listeners of Voice America. Stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine. Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur 
amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the third segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're here at VoiceAmerica.com. We want to thank all the listeners. And now we talk about red meat, NFL football. Let's look at last week in the NFC East. The Eagles rebounding after a 1-3 start, and they've reclaimed their season with a dramatic win against the New Orleans Saints. Spencer G. and I were in attendance for the game, and we had a chance to observe sub changes in the Eagles and Spencer give me your concise thoughts about the Philadelphia Eagles and how did they beat the Saints what what were the keys to victory Fletcher Cox pressuring Drew Brees hitting Drew Brees Benny Logan and Fletcher Cox the defensive line played dominant football yesterday you had Walter Furman intercepting the ball the Eagles won the turnover battle four to two and the Philadelphia Eagles at 2-3, and three, they're a team that could potentially come out of the NFC this year and represent them in the Super Bowl because they have Ryan Matthews, who's quickly emerging as one of the best backs in the NFC. I don't get why they still are playing DeMarco Murray over Matthews. Matthews is faster. Matthews is playing better in this offense. you got to roll with the hot hand right now. I don't care how much money you're allocating. Sam Bradford's playing a lot better. He's more confident. He made some more decisive throws. If not for those two picks, the Eagles would have beat the Saints 50-10. to 10. The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sort of season. It's, it's a sport where a 8-8 eight and eight team could beat a 13-3 and three team in the playoffs, and it shouldn't come as a shock. Wildcard teams win all the time. Division winners at 9-7, and seven, like the Giants, can go ahead and beat 18-0 New England Patriot-type teams, and it's not a big deal. The Eagles have talent this year to be one of the top three teams in the NFC because they have Fletcher Cox, a great defensive line. They have running backs and Sproles, Matthews, and Ed Murray that can complement. Their quarterback play is kind of suspect, but their secondary is playing a lot better. Their D-line is absolutely incredible. So their running game is great. D-line is great. That's the formula for really going deep into the playoffs. So I don't care that they're 2-3, and three, lost to the Redskins. It takes teams time to get their... To get their uh, 
their feet and their bearings under them. I don't care if Seattle's 10-6. and six, They're still probably going to win the Super Bowl this year. And if the Eagles get into the Super Bowl, Eagles get into the playoffs at 9-7, and seven, uh, winning a weak NFC East, it doesn't matter that they have to go on the road. The product and talent that they have, and if they can continue to improve by the end of the year, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And the Eagles are going to be a very dangerous team come the whole year, and they should be a force in the NFC. That's what I really see out of the Eagles. I think that they have potential to be a playoff threat in the NFC. Amplifying what you said, Chip Kelly showed a tendency to, number one, do much more simplified blocking schemes straight ahead rather than scheme blocking. He also um, used the clock. The, The Eagles actually won the time of possession against the Saints. They also took chances on defense. If you remember the end of the Washington game with Kirk Cousins, they were playing a prevent defense. And as I always say, a prevent defense prevents you from winning. So they were just rushing three, dropping back, and they got sliced on a 90-degree, 90-degree, yeah, I guess I'm talking sports medicine, a 90-yard drive at the end of the game for the Redskins to beat the Eagles. However, yesterday was a different story. Fletcher Cox, he had three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a recovered fumble on his own. And also the MVPs, the two injured guys, the the so-called veterans, Lane Johnson and Jason Peters, each played despite injuries, and the offensive line really bounced back, protected Sam Bradford, and it was a different game. It was a coming-out party for Josh Huff, who scored a touchdown, Matthews, again, was very consistent. He had six catches for over 100 yards. And again, as you pointed out, the, the, the running back by committee you know, did a nice job. The new kicker, uh, his name is uh, Caleb... What's his name? Sturgis. Caleb Sturgis, one of the greatest names in sports history because one of the most odd names. He actually came up big, four for four field goals, missed an extra point, but still making some people forget about Cody Parkey. Now I think it's important to talk about the game of the week last night with the Sunday night game, and it was the New York Giants winning in decisive fashion. Eli Manning earning his $20 million with a beautiful throw in the end zone. Larry Donnell going up in front of two defenders and clearly putting a clamp on that football. So we watched the replay over and over again, and that was a definite touchdown, and I know for Giants fans out there, it propelled them to first place in the division, 3-2, and two, setting up a really fun matchup. Monday Night Football in Lincoln Financial Field. Tell us about the Giants, Spencer. The Giants, if you were a Giants fan last night, last night was pure euphoria. You went from losing the football game on an interception by the Niners to Eli Manning hitting Shane the Mean Green Vereen all the way down the field. Shane Vereen was just such a force in the passing game. Eli Manning is just as clutch as it gets in the NFL, and he proved it once again hitting Larry Donnell after 
possibly it's funny I spoke to some people who watched the game they turned it off when they fought the Niners intercepted it one of the most emotional regular season games you'll ever see and Manning led the Giants down with one minute and 30 seconds left it was kind of who had the ball last sort of deal or who had it in the final moments he fretted it in between two defenders that both had their back to the ball in a spot where only Larry the Don Donnell could bring it in and it was a walk off throw and catch for the New York Giants as MetLife exploded into cheers. And the Giants are in first place in the NFC, and they're riding high. But unfortunately... Uh, I think that the honeymoon for Giants fans is going to end. I think that this will be the best seven days that the Giants will have in, in a year or two years because last night you pretty much saw the flaws and the writing is on the wall for their demise, which will come in the following weeks. You have a pass rush that cannot get to the quarterback allowing Colin Kaepernick to have all day to run to Starbucks, get coffee, go to Baskin-Robbins, order two donuts, come back to the pocket, and hit Anquan Bolden. Their pass defense is absolutely just like middle school school flag football. They can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Nikola Mirchich plays for the Chicago Bulls, but Nikola Whitlock is the guy I'm thinking of. He's our fullback. The Giants fullback. I'm going to repeat this again. The Giants fullback is the best defensive pass rusher on this Giants team. Nicola Whitlock. When have you ever heard of that in the history of football? So the Giants won 3-2. and two. Eli played tremendous. They couldn't run the ball. Uh, and you got to just... I'm going to shoot straight with Giants fans. I think the Eagles will absolutely tear them apart this week. And I think that the Giants will fade back into a possible 6-10, and 7-9 and nine season. I just don't see them improving enough... Pass rushing wise, defense wise, there's such a, ta- a void of talent that I think we're looking at three and two more on the quality of these opponents. And last night, to make Colin Kaepernick look that good is so, so worrisome. I look at the key to the game for the Giants, their wide receivers. I personally am looking at Dwayne Flowers. I think that's his name, right? No, I'm mixing. Oh, Dwayne Harris. I'm, I'm mixing Eric Flowers with Dwayne, with, with Dwayne Flowers. But the, the bottom line is Dwayne Harris. I look at that guy. You know what that guy is? That guy's a beast. He reminds me of... Jerry Rice? No, he doesn't remind me of Jerry Rice. He reminds me of Anquan Bolden. He is a tough... He's a mean guy. No, seriously. He is... He's just bursting out. I think he was a great acquisition. And if you imagine, if Cruz was there, it would really be dangerous. He'll probably be back at the end of the season. So I look at Odell Beckham, and I and I look at Dwight Harris, and I think they could torch the Eagles secondary, and, I'm, and, and, and uh, I'd be concerned about that. Also, the running game, I think Rashad Jennings is, is very strong. I look at one of the keys to the game is the offensive line for the Giants. They certainly held up better. In the last game, early on in the year, they just weren't playing well together. And for both for both teams, the offensive lines are key. I think it's going to be a close game. When the Eagles play the Giants, except for a few, except for the blowout last year, these games are always close. They come down to the end. And 
They've got first place on the line. So as far as making a prediction, I'm going to predict. I'm going to, I'm going to you know, certainly we're here in Philadelphia, but I think if it's a matter of Eli Manning or Sam Bradford, you've got to go with the Giants. And I know the Eagles just pulled themselves, nudged ahead of a very bad dysfunctional Saints team. My prediction, final score, New York Giants 25, Philadelphia Eagles 21. Spencer, your prediction and why? So 25-21. Yes. Interesting to get to 25. There's going to be some safeties that if that happens. I looked at the Eagle. I looked at the Giants, and they played a horrible 49ers team, and they made Colin Kaepernick look like circa 2012 Colin Kaepernick. Because if I had to describe their defense, it would be Swiss cheese, and that's and that's what you're missing. Is that the Giants are bringing a fullback as their best defensive pass rusher? So Sam Bradford is going to have all day long. The Giants' D is Swiss cheese, and trust me, I've been following the Giants for years. I'm a guy that could tell you. Mark Herzlick, I like Mark Herzlick a lot as a person. He's a tremendous person. He's just not a very good linebacker. John Beeson is hurt way too often. Cromarty is getting beat on the outside. JT Thomas is playing well. Hankins and Jenkins are playing well. I'd love for the Eagles and Chip Kelly to run it up the gut to Hankins and Jenkins, and we can blanket them with a hanky. That's the only way the Giants will win is if we hanky the Eagles running backs. If they run it into the teeth of our defense straight up the gut like three times, that would just be beautiful. But I don't think that that's going to happen for Giants fans. So the Eagles... I see the game, unfortunately, not being that close. Big home field advantage. I think the Giants could beat Whedon next week. I think Bradford's good enough to beat them. I'm going to take the Eagles 38 and the Giants 10. So (laughs) I would be stunned if the Giants kept a closer one. So uh, definitely a bold prediction, I'm I'm assuming. Well, we've certainly uh, blown through this third segment. The next segment will be a topic on sports medicine. It's going to be relevant to the NFL, and we're going to be introducing that after a brief three-minute pause. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. 
Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. We're dealing with a very important area now, which will be injuries to the low back. This could relate to your sports injuries or other types of trauma, such as falls at work or car accidents. This is an area of extreme expertise for grossing or neuropain specialists. If you are within driving distance of the sound of my voice, and you have a low back problem, whether it be a disc, whether it be a spinal cord injury, whether it be a car accident or a work accident, please call us for consultation, 610-521-6063. Again, I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Let's start out with the types of injuries in the low back. I like to think of three different main injuries in the low back that are serious. Number one, injuries to the discs. Okay, and they include bulging, protruding, or traumatic discs. That's when the inner core, which is the nucleus pulposus, essentially ruptures and breaks through the outer part, which is called the annulus fibrosis. Excuse the Latin. And what happens when a disc breaks out is it moves into an area where a nerve lives, a nerve root. In Latin, the word root is called radic. So when there is a disc problem or a bone spur which presses into a nerve root in the spine or alternatively, if there is a tremendous force, particularly a flexion and extension force to the spine, that could actually tear or partially tear the nerve cables. The nerve cables are oriented such that there's an inner cable, which is like the inner part of a wire, that's called the axon. And there's an outer cable, which is called the myelin. 
So we've talked about different injuries. One, disc injury. That's one type of injury. Another type of injury is direct trauma to the nerve, stretching or pulling. If the nerve actually gets pulled out of the spinal column, that's called an avulsion. That leaves somebody with a flaccid limb, either an arm or leg, and total weakness. A nerve root avulsion, regrettably, is a very serious problem that's very difficult to treat. Another problem with the lumbar spine is called the facet syndrome. That is, the interconnecting joints are called facets. And in the same area, there are little nerves called median branches. And what happens is, there's injury to those joints and those nerves, and there's usually multiple levels of injury. So our treatment usually involves treating multiple levels, a three on average. So when you have a patient that comes in and tells you, I have back pain, morning stiffness, and you examine them, and they have tenderness overlying the facet joints, that's what we call a facet syndrome. When Tiger Woods injured his neck last year, he did not herniate a disc, but he had a cervical facet syndrome. He required treatment for that problem and eventually recovered. So when we think about it, we look at the back. In the midline area, we see midline discs and nerves. We also think about the facets, which is a vertically oriented group of multi-level nerves and joints. Finally, it's separate and distinct, something called the sacroiliac joint. When the pain is either on one side or both sides, unilateral or bilateral, and when I put my finger right on what we call the dimples of the back, otherwise known as the sacroiliac joint, the posterior superiliac spines, and there's extreme tenderness there. Or alternatively, if there's unleveling, when I look at it carefully, if one of the sacroiliac joints is way higher than the other, I think about something called sacroiliac joint syndrome. Sacroiliac joint syndrome. How does it compare with the other entities? It typically does not radiate down into one or both legs. It's not radiating in character. It's not a radiculopathy. That's the Latin word. Also, it's usually in a different area. It doesn't go up the spine. It doesn't affect multiple levels. It basically is such where you put your finger on the SI joint, there's pain. And there's also two other tests called the Patrick's test, wherein you do a maneuver to the hip and the leg, and also something called a Lasagne's test, which is another provocative test we do in the office. When those tests are positive, they can support the diagnosis of sacroiliac dysfunction. Well, how do you treat sacroiliac dysfunction? Number one, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, myofascial treatment, even gentle manipulation either osteopathic manipulation or chiropractic manipulation. And also, we do both diagnostic and therapeutic injections. In the operating room, we do this in neuropain specialists. We take a needle, we place it down an x-ray beam directly at the SI joint, and we inject a powerful anti-inflammatory and local anesthetic agent. When that relieves the pain, that's a positive diagnostic test, and there's also a therapeutic component. We usually do up to three injections in the sacroiliac area. Okay, let's go back to diagnosis number one. Disc injuries, lumbar root injuries. How do we treat that? So how do we treat herniated discs? 
Number one, at the core is a good clinical exam. There are rare cases that represent true surgical emergencies. When somebody has an acute injury to their disc, they herniate it, and they develop an inability to pass urine, or they develop constipation, that is a true emergency. That indicates the likelihood of a spinal cord involvement, or what we call a cauda equina syndrome. That's a big word in Latin. Cauda equina relates to the horse's tail. In that case, we send him to an immediate surgeon who usually does a decompression. They remove the disc with or without a fusion to stabilize the spine. That's unusual, however. 95% or greater, we start off conservatively. Anti-inflammatory medicines, muscle relaxers, physical therapy, rest, stretching. Second-tier treatment, we do epidural injections in our office. That means in an operating room, we place a needle at the level of the disc, above or below it. We inject corticosteroids, local anesthetic agents. We usually do two or three of these injections over a period of four to six weeks. In our hands, the epidural injections have a 70% chance of significantly impacting on the patient's problem. They don't remove the disc, but they usually can induce a relative remission, and they allow the patient to continue their activities. So, review. Disc injuries. Unless there's a true surgical emergency, we use physical therapy, medicines, injections. We also believe gentle mobilization, which can be done by a physical therapist or can be done safely by a chiropractic physician, are very important tools in the treatment of lumbar disc injuries. We talked about sacroiliac dysfunction, pain in the butt, literally, and these problems are treated by medicine, mobilization, and injections directly to the sacroiliac joint. The way we do our injections, we use a special x-ray machine called a fluoroscope, so we have actual pictures of the needle, we can see where the medicine is going, and we can follow that up and we can share that with the patient. I believe at the core of the treatment of low back injuries is good communication, interaction between the doctor and the patient. And again, we can see low back injuries at a host of scenarios. We can see them from car accidents, work injuries, and particularly in the sporting environment. Oftentimes, it's a twist, it's an acceleration, it's a deceleration, it's a slip and fall. We see it a lot in the wintertime. Black ice, head over heels, I landed on my back. And when they come to us, we have to decide whether it's a serious neurological injury. Another class of back injuries are the non-serious variety, what we call the simple strain and sprain, soft tissue injuries. These injuries get better, typically at four to six weeks. They require no formal um, injections or surgical treatment. They often don't require even CAT scans or MRIs. They usually get better with rest, anti-inflammatory medicines, something called a Medrol dose pack, which is a methyl prednisolone pack over five days, gentle physical therapy, chiropractic care, and time. So if it's a simple low back strain, they get better. However, we see so many patients who are told by their doctors or by whomever 
Don't worry about it. You have a simple strain. They go ahead and they get evaluated. They get a careful exam by a neurologist. We find they need MRIs. And it turns out that they fall in the other category of the more serious big three. Lumbar disc injuries, nerve injuries. That's one category. Lumbar facet injuries and sacroiliac injuries. We're going to reinforce this particular discussion on future dialogues with you, the listener at Voice America Sports. This concludes this segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. I will continue to help you journey through Nerveland, Dr. Bruce Grossinger. I thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.